As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. This program contains preaching and teaching from an Orthodox Christian perspective to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and to be victorious in Him. Well, welcome to the show. It's Ogladsome Light, the WF4CY Monday at noon radio show right here in sunny South Florida, Wellington. That's where the studios are located. Plus, we're doing a simultaneous broadcast on K4HD in Hollywood, California. Now we have a live call-in number, 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. Plus, there's Skype. The Skype address is WF4CY Radio is the Skype address. And, of course, if you go on the website, w4cy.com, and you can get right into the chat room and uh, chat with me. That would be kind of nice. Just chat with me. Wouldn't that be nice, Chad? Just a little, that would be. Just a little chat. So today's uh, subject is uh, going to be an interesting, I think, uh, show today because I'm going to talk about the two Madonnas. We have the Madonna, and we have Madonna. And I was talking to my, my daughter last night, and I was telling her what I was getting ready to do uh, today on the show. And she says, she said, yeah, you know, maybe she's more of a joke now than anything else because she's trying to hang on to her, her stardom and fame. And uh, she's uh, 58 years old now, you know. So I, I don't know when a rocker is supposed to bail out, you know, uh, of the biz. Uh, Tony Bennett's still in, and he's really old. Uh, Lady Gaga's reinventing herself, you know, so I don't know. But the, today I'm, I'm going to focus on uh, on the two Madonnas. And let me get in some definition real quick here. It's a med- medieval Italian. It's called Madonna. Two words, Madonna, meaning my lady. Uh, it most commonly refers to Madonna, a title for Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay, that's when you hear the word Madonna, that's what you would think of, right? Well, I, I want some more definition here. So the uh, archaic definition of Madonna is lady, used as a form of respectful address to a person, you know, to a woman. Uh, the also another definition is the Virgin Mary, uh, an artistic depiction as a painting or a statue of the Virgin Mary, which we see a lot in the Catholic Church. Another definition is a morally pure and chaste woman. Now, those are the definitions of the word Madonna. So we know that there was a rock and roller. Her name was Madonna. And let me give you a little biography on her. Now, uh, she was born August 16th, 1958, 
and is an American songwriter, singer, dancer, actress, and businesswoman. She achieved popularity by pushing the boundaries of lyrical content in mainstream popular music and imagery in her music videos, which became a fixture on MTV. Now, I want to know, Chad, have you ever looked at MTV? Yes, sir. Have you looked lately? No, sir. Uh, remember back in the day, MTV was all about what? Music videos. <laughs> I hear that they've had a basic change to that. I think there's a lot of reality shows now or something Yeah, like that. so what's happening the music videos, you know? I don't know. But she was on MTV. Madonna is known for reinventing both her music and image for maintaining her autonomy within the recording industry. Now, I understand that it's a tough business. You know, myself being in the entertainment business, as you are, Chad, with Heather, that it's a tough business because uh, very cutthroat, and uh, you always got to be uh, on your game, it seems, uh, like, like Madonna reinventing herself, trying to stay current. You know, I think she was on uh, recently was on Jimmy Fallon and she uh, promoted her new song. I don't know the name of it, but uh, uh, she had her her dancing uh, troupe with her and they went through the all the pelvic thrusts and all that kind of stuff, you know. And and uh, I looked at the lyrics and I was kind of like, wow, didn't get away with that on, on you know, regular TV, you know. And so, yeah, I understand HBO and stuff like that. You can, you know, push the boundaries, but uh, on regular cable, you know, the NBC, ABC, and CBS and Fox, you know, I, I think there's censors all over that, you know, that would be all over that. But uh, let me go on here. Uh, some uh, music critics have acclaimed her musical productions, which have generated some controversy, refer to her as the queen of pop. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Basically, Madonna was born to Catholic parents, and uh, uh, in 1958, her father's uh, parents were immigrants from uh, Centro, Italy, while her mother was of French-Canadian ancestry. Uh, her father worked for, as an engineer designer at Chrysler and General Motors, and since Madonna had the same name as her mother, family members used to call her the Little Noni. She had two elder brothers, Anthony and Martin, and then three younger siblings, Paula, Christopher, and, and Melanie. Now, this is interesting. Now, she was confirmed in the Catholic Church in 1966, and she adopted Veronica as her confirmation name. So she was raised Catholic in the Apostolic Church. She was raised in the Detroit suburbs of Pontiac uh, and Avon Township, which is now called Rochester Hills. Months before her mother died of breast cancer, Madonna noticed changes in her behavior and personality, although she did not understand the reason. Her mother was at a loss to explain her medical condition and often began to cry when Madonna questioned her about it. Madonna later acknowledged that she had not grasped the concept of her mother dying. So you start to see right there some personality issues or an inner struggle going on uh, with her, uh, with the loss of her mom, and it's a horrible thing to to uh, to lose a parent. I I lost my dad when I was like twelve years old, and so my mom had to do double duty, raise two boys, uh, you know, on uh, Social Security uh, that she got from the government because uh, of my dad, you know, and and so it was it was tough. My mom had to go to work and all that stuff, you know. So and it really affected my brother to the point where he actually changed his name legally uh, to his father's name. See, my brother's name was Peter, but he actually changed his name to Rini, which was my dad's name, and had it done legally. So I, I thought that was you know I, I never desired to do that. I miss my dad, you know, and uh, you know it's quite a hole in, in the family when your father passes away and you know, and you have the dog sitting at the doorway waiting for the dad to come home and he never comes home and so you know all that was going on you know and uh, there's there's a lot of sadness uh, during that time of of growing up of, of not having a father so when i went through and i started thinking uh, you know uh, doing this study on madonna's life uh, i got to um I was sad, you know. I was I was getting sad about what I was seeing, uh, what I was reading about in in her uh, in her life, and I, and I even got some of her lyrics here. I'd like to uh, throw these out so y'all can uh, 
can hear the, the word of uh, the song she did material world uh this is one of the lines in the lyrics because the boy with cold hard cash is always mr right only boys that save their pennies make my rainy day so you see the thought there chad uh, where we're going with that now another another song the lyrics from this uh this next song is a physical attraction you may say that you need my love and you want my body i don't mind you always say you want to stay the night but you'll leave me tomorrow and i don't care so that kind of gives you an idea of a thought right there now i'm going to base all this stuff on on the attitude of scripture okay from from the holy scriptures and how does that uh have a a antithesis here you know it's opposite of what what we learn and read in scripture and i'm not condemning this woman i'm just pointing out what i'm seeing in her lyrics here's a song uh title i effed up now what isn't that a great title for a song is it a great title i effed up yeah that's what i don't know about that <laughs> if, the, if i would title okay. a song that but um, here's a, here's some lyrics i'm a sinner i'm a sinner and i like it that way and I don't give a I don't give an F. Really, that's Madonna's lyrics. Yeah, the, I pull it right off the, off her lyric li, hmm. uh, her library. You bet. Uh, bad girl. Here's another song. Bad girl get drunk by six, kissing someone else's lips, smoke too many cigarettes today. I'm not happy when I act this way. Well, that's to me positive there because that could show a doorway into repentance which we well, read about in scripture that that's uh, that's the key to salvation as I've been teaching on this radio show since february that the key to salvation is repentance so i see a little bit there uh another song titled did you do it question mark did you do what well that's what we throw to the wind don't we i mean uh i'm looking at uh uh you know uh, these these uh celebrities they do stuff that uh is over the top you know well it's like you said they reinvent themselves but it's what they're really trying to do is outdo the last person or outdo themselves maybe to yeah. get that shock effect you know to they're get on top effect. again <clears throat> and lady gaga's doing that right now remember what she you started with and she was a tony bennett singing standards and now she's in a, a dive bar deal and we're back in the dive bar <laughs> you should back in the dive bar okay. you know that's Lady Gaga, but but um, uh, when I hear stuff like she would give oral sex to anybody who voted for Hillary, that's a, that's shock value. That know? is a shock value. And uh, and you think about that, and go wow. Uh, if her parents are alive, they must be very proud, you know, of that of that statement. Now, you know, and I'm not making making excuse. We're all sinners. We all need salvation. I'm not picking on Madonna, but after I read her biography, I started to feel kind of sad for her that she as all of us she needs Christ. She needs the illumination of the spirit of God upon her life. And so, uh what I can do is actually pray for this woman. That's and love her, even though I, I, I can't say I'm greater than I'm, I'm the. I'm fact in liturgies when we have we we confess I am the chief among sinners, and there's an actual could, there could be a fight right there in liturgy saying no I'm the chief among sinners, you know, and so it, and I'm not making sport of that, but I'm saying that's the attitude we're to have that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'm not going to spend any more time on Madonna. So we all know who Madonna is, okay? Now, if we had time, I could have Chad play uh, one of Madonna's you know, songs, a part of it, and then stop it, and then play one of the church songs and see the contrast between the two songs. And, then, and I asked the question, which one do you like the best? And a lot would say, I like Madonna's song, you know, because it has a catchy beat. It's got uh, interesting lyrics, you know. The all, you know. But then you go back and look at what church is all about, and we're have to, supposed to have a spirit of worship. Does that end when we walk out the doors of church, or is that something that we carry with us moment by moment, uh, you know, second by second? Because God doesn't, you know. Remember, we can't put God in a box. A box. Uh, when you do that, He's not there. And so what I'm trying to say is that God is not just in the church. God is always everywhere. He's in you. He's, you can't get away. It's like, you know, you can't put God away while you act like a sinner, even though you are one. He's right there with you, okay? Not agreeing with it, 
but you can't you can't run away from God. <laughs> he is he, he is everywhere, and you can't escape. It is impossible. You cannot escape this. So I want to spend the rest of this radio show talking about the Madonna. Now in the Orthodox Church, she is called the Holy Theotokos, which means the God Bearer. Okay, she bore God. Now, a little background on on uh, the Holy Theotokos, Mary, the, the Blessed Mother, uh, a miracle birth. Now, her parents, Joachim and Anna, were uh, advanced in years, and uh, you know, the, back in the day, you know, if you didn't have children, uh, there was like something. What's wrong with you? You can't have children. You must have sinned or something, and be and God must be angry with you because you don't uh, don't have any children. So you know they they prayed they sought the Lord and there was a, there was a miracle birth, they were beyond years and sure enough, uh, Anna got pregnant and had a miracle a child uh, you know miracle birth I mean and she was so thankful to the Lord that she was blessed Anna was blessed with this child that she actually dedicated her to the temple. Okay, in Jerusalem, and uh, so Mary lived uh, a lot of her years in the temple, you know, in Solomon's temple. A lot of people don't know that, and so, you know, it's like uh, here comes a gift from God, and it gets a child, and then she gives the child back to God. Now we do that in the Orthodox Church. It's called uh, churching. And what the what the priest will do is uh, take the the baby from the mother and and lay it at the holy. There's a there's a royal door in the middle of the church in front of the altar. Uh, he will lay that child at right there in front of the altar, and the mother has to go retrieve the child from uh, from the altar. And it's like she's God gave her a child. But now she realizes by doing that that God really gave her that child. And now she has a responsibility to raise that child in the wisdom and, and, you know, uh, of the Scriptures and the commandments of the Lord. That's her responsibility. And even at holy baptism, there are uh, sponsors that stand with the parents uh, to help uh, the parents raise uh, the child in a Christian environment and with Christian teaching. Now, she was visited by the angel Gabriel to announce to her the good news. The good news was, you will be the God-bearer. You will become pregnant in a miracle way, not knowing a man, and you will become the mother of Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, so now she has to make well, let me back up. You know, when Archangel Gabriel was sent from the throne of God to give her the good news, he actually was in fear. He was trembling of how to even greet this uh, chosen vessel of God. And so what, is, what does Gabriel say to her? Hail, O favored one of God. That's what he says to her. Isn't that amazing, Chad? Hail, O favored one of God. Wouldn't it be great if he said that to us? But we are, and I'm going to explain why a little later today. So when he gives her the news that she's going to become, God has chosen her to become the God-bearer, that she was going to be carrying in her womb the Savior of the world. I mean, what a responsibility and honor that she was given. And she even went to her cousin Elizabeth when she was pregnant. And as soon as she walked into the room, Elizabeth also was pregnant. And the baby in her womb leaped for joy. Isn't that something right there? They're not born yet. They're still in the womb. And John the Baptist, that's who that was going to be, leaped in the womb of, of Elizabeth at the, at the seeing, at, at the not seeing, but because those two pe uh, people got together, uh, sort of something about what goes on in the womb that is way beyond our comprehension, you know. So she had to make a decision, yes or no. She made a good decision, I think, Chad. Yeah. She said yes, right? Prophesied in Isaiah 7.14, it says, A virgin will be with child. Now, Isaiah lived 
of 740 to 680 B.C. When he made that prophecy, that didn't happen like right away. It took many, many years for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And so some people could say, well, your prophecy has not been fulfilled. You must be a false prophet. Well, it was fulfilled. In the fullness of time, that prophecy in Isaiah 7.14 was fulfilled in Mary. Because she, the Holy, Holy Spirit came over her, overshadowed her, and she became pregnant. And God, the God-man, got his flesh from Mary. Boy, if you just look at her genealogy, you can see that she was a prepared vessel all the way through genealogy, getting ready uh, to uh, to be uh, chosen of God. Hail, O favored one. God has favored you to become what a responsibility, but also now there's a problem. She's not married. She's a Jew. She's under the Jewish law. And if you get pregnant out of wedlock, what's the punishment? Stoning. So now she has to, when her, so her decision wasn't a simple decision. So it had to be total trust in God, knowing that if she said yes to God, that he was there to protect her, so that the God-man could be born. Okay, even gave Joseph dreams because he wanted to put her away. And the angel kept coming back saying, listen, Joseph, something really good is going on here. You need to take her as your wife, and here's why. And so it wasn't left to his own mental devices, but received revelation from heaven through the angels to go on and, and keep her and raise that child. You know, most people in, in, in the world looking at that in the, from the physical sense would say, well, that's an Ill, illegitimate birth. That She's not married now. She's got a kid. I mean, what a stigma. So Joseph, being a righteous man, he wanted to put her away, you know. But instead he, he brought her together in, in marriage and then took care of that family. So we always uh, have a honor Joseph for his good decisions of, of supporting, the, we call it the holy family, of the Mary, Emmanuel, Jesus, and of course Joseph. Now after she said yes, I'd like to read something to you in, in Luke chapter 1. This is Mary's response after accepting the invitation uh, from, from God. She said this, and this is recorded in Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. To me, that looks like pretty prophetic. So she was like a prophetess at that moment, as she as she was prophet. She was stating uh, who God is, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So right there, uh, you know, I just want to knock down the, uh, uh, you know, Mary's not a god. She's a humble servant, used by God as we are, okay? And she needed a savior just as we need a savior. But she was a special she was a special woman throughout all creation because even after uh she was getting close to her death. Yeah, she was getting close. The uh in holy tradition it is written that the archangel Gabriel came and told her of her impending departure, and even brought a palm branch and gave it to her. And at that point, uh, she rejoiced. She wasn't sad that she was going to die. 
She wasn't saved because she knew who she was in God. And the Spirit of the Lord brought all the apostles together, you know, before she passed away. But then in holy tradition, that Jesus didn't leave her corrupt in the grave, but uh, took her into heaven. And I said, well, that's not in Holy Scripture, but it is in holy tradition. And if you look at holy tradition from the apostles in the first century, it's all there. It's all there. Go, go, go fish. I, I like to say that, go fish. Now, at that point in time, uh, when Mary said yes to God's invitation of becoming uh, pregnant with the Jesus, the Son of God, she became a living sacrifice. Are we any different? Should we also be a living sacrifice? Think about what her choice was. Okay, if I say yes, then I'm subject to the law of Moses. I can be stoned, killed, okay? Or God, if I'm becoming this living sacrifice, you've got to do everything to protect this. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply that my my body and let this birth happen so she surrendered as i talked about last week in total surrender she surrendered to god completely and full trust in him mary was not unaware she knew the scriptures okay she remember she she lived in the temple with the priests and she heard the scriptures all the time she was not unaware So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So there Paul put it down for us in Romans 12, 1, that just as Mary was a living sacrifice, so we too are called and are required to be that living sacrifice. I looked up that word sacrifice. In the concordance, it's number 2378. The Greek word is thusia. Thusia is the word for sacrifice, an offering. Now, I want to go back real quick. You know, when I was talking about the Madonna of rock and roll, now I've told you about the Madonna of the story of Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, and her, you know, all her attributes of holiness and wanting to please you know, the Lord in everything she did. Parents, you've got to make a decision. Now, I know that Madonna, the rocker, is 58 years old and probably becoming obsolete, and we have other girls coming on the scene now, you all got to decide, parents, how do you want your little girls to be raised to follow after the lifestyle of Madonna, or do you want to follow after the lifestyle of Mary, the mother of God? I'll tell you, right. if you do that, if you make that choice to raise your child like the church teaches us and the Holy, Scripture, Holy Scriptures encourage us, that you may be ridiculed. It may be made fun of. Oh, you're holier than thou. I've got that one. When I was when I made my conversion to Christ, 
my my life changed. My friendship, my friends changed. I got different set of friends because the friends I used to have, uh, they they want to go off and do these things that I couldn't do anymore because uh, I'm supposed to be holier than thou. And I tell you what, you are you supposed to be, you know. And and it's not it's not a uh, it's not a condemnation on on your old friends. It's just that now you become a living witness of what the grace of God has done in your life. You see, the word in the Greek, amation, means martyr. Sorry, martion. See, amation is a sinner. We don't want to be, that's what we are. Excuse me. Anytime you put an A in front of a Greek word, it flips at 180, okay? So we want to be mation, mation, uh, martyrs for Christ. So I hope I got that straightened out right there. Not amation, but mation. Be a martyr for Christ. And the definition of the word martyr for Christ, mation, is witness. Are we not to be a witness for the Lord? When the Lord does a mighty work in us, aren't we to be that witness? Aren't we to be that that lighthouse on the earth so people can see a difference? People who knew me before... And now I make a change, and they, and they and they say, "What happened to you?" Well, then they have a chance to to tell them what happened to you. Just as Mary became pregnant without a husband, what happened to you? She could tell them, "This is what happened to me," and they, either they could believe it or scoff at it. And there will always be scoffers. So if you if someone scoffs at you, you're in good company. Because, uh, you know, the saints that have gone before us were scoffed at. And uh, the ones that died a martyr's death automatically go to heaven, are under the altar in heaven, the true altar, waiting for their death to be avenged by the Lord. And it will be. But the Lord is patient. He wants as many to come to him as possible and not bust hell wide open, but let's bust heaven wide open because it's easy to bust hell wide open. So, parents, you got a choice. Raise your child like Madonna or raise your child like the Madonna, as I just outlined. But to do that, you got to be a living sacrifice. Okay? And it has to be acceptable. I thought about Aaron and the golden calf. Was that an acceptable sacrifice in, in, in the wilderness? No. Well, sure, Moses is up 40 days trying to get, got the law from God, okay? God the Father wrote it in, wrote with his own finger, wrote, you know, wrote on the tablets. Here comes Moses down the mountain with the, the Ten Commandments, and he sees something going on in the camp. What is that, you know? They're doing the sacrifice unto the false gods, and they made a golden calf. And Moses is so upset that he dropped the Ten Commandments, the covenant that God was making with Israel, broke them. And God wanted to wipe them all out. But what did Moses do? He stood in the breach. Lord, let's give him another chance. So he was required to Moses to go back up on the hill, up on the mountain, and spend another 40 days and get the second edition because the first edition was busted. He broke it in his anger, threw it down. Thank God for Moses standing in the breach for the people. So that was an unacceptable sacrifice, what was going. And you know what, Israel, oh, come on. How many years did they live in Egypt and, and they saw how to worship and, and uh, un, un, unacceptable? They, saw, they were trained. <laughs> Even though they had their own, their own religion there, they were, they were seeing what was going on in Egypt, false gods and multiple gods and all that was going on. So don't, don't, don't be too hard on Israel. Yes, they sinned mightily against the Lord, and the Lord even made them crush the golden calf, powder it up, and eat it. It's in Scripture, Chad. They had to eat the gold. Now, I found out something about gold. It doesn't process. It goes straight through. Ever, ever, you ever, ever see gold slogger, that, that liquor? Mm-hmm. It's gold in it, right? It goes right through you, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's good it doesn't get caught in your body. 
So it, they they actually uh, eliminated, you know, when they went to the bathroom, they had to pick the gold out. Some real golden nuggets. They had to <laughs> pick Sorry. the gold out of their, <laughs> you know what. You know it. But now apparently that would, see, that gold was reserved for uh, the building of the tabernacle of, you know, the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's what that gold was for. And they misused the purpose of that gold, and they built a false uh, idol. So God made them eat the gold, poop it out, and then they could reclaim the gold. And then it was sanctified, <laughs> sanctified through that process. They could use it now uh, to worship God. God has a unique way of thinking. No doubt. <laughs> his ways are higher than our ways. Much higher. And his, you know, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but people look and say, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> but it's pretty disgusting. Now, we, we read about Abraham and Isaac. Was that an acceptable sacrifice? Did not another miracle child? Isaac was a miracle child. Ishmael was not because Abraham went into the concubine, okay, and Hagar, and and they and and he didn't use Sarah, and he had a child called Ishmael, and that they didn't wait because God promised them a child. Promise if they would just waited, then he wouldn't have the Ishmael Isaac conflict today, but. God preserved them in the desert, so I can't say too much about that. When they banished Hagar and Ishmael out to the desert, they they survived. Miracle, water, all that, and they survived. And here comes the Arab nation for out of out of the loins of Ishmael. But Isaac and Abraham go up to the mountain to do sacrifice, and they Isaac's looking. He's not a young kid. He's a he's carrying a whole bunch of wood on his back. So that's not he's not a little kid. He's he's a man. Okay, to carry that kind of wood. And so, you know, Isaac looked around and said, Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? God will provide. Okay. They get up to the mountain, and guess what happens? They make the altar, the sacrifice altar. Hey, Isaac, you got to hop up here. What? They bound him, threw him up on the altar. It was going to knife him and, and burn him. And God, in his mercy, wanted to see if Abraham had what it take to obey him. And he did. He proved the test, and God sent that ram caught in the thicket by its horns, and now we have a substitute sacrifice. Isaac could get off and rejoice with his father of what happened. Today, DCF would be called. Right? Anyway, that's then, that's now. Now, First Corinthians, going now, I'm pinging on living sacrifice, be it you. You, me, everybody hearing this station, this radio show, be that living sacrifice. First Corinthians chapter six, nineteen through twenty. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. What's the price? Blood of Christ. Yes, exactly. Therefore you are to honor God with your bodies. That's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I looked at Romans chapter 1, verse 9. It says, For God is my witness, this is Paul speaking, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. So there, right there, he's being a living sacrifice because he is serving the gospel of his Son through his spirit. Then I just not read that we are temples of the Holy Spirit? And we are not our own. You were bought with a price. Hebrews 9, 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. See, the only person that could do that cross was Jesus. Why? He was without stain. He was a God-man. He didn't have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father because that's where we get our sin problem from our dads. Say, thanks, Dad. Thanks for the, uh, for the sin, you know. Bequeath the sin nature to me. Thank you, Dad. I'm only kidding when I say that. But that's where it comes from. So to break that chain of events, God had to be the father, not Joseph, of the child Emmanuel. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? I hope these words are not just bouncing off your brain off your skull, and landing on the floor. I hope these are going into your spirit so you can be energized and be that living sacrifice. Now, this is going to get really interesting now. 
I hope it's interesting now. It's even going to get more interesting. Just as man's failure to worship God led to his downfall, how'd that happen now? I remember something about paradise. I remember about these two people called Adam and Eve, and they did something, that, and they failed to worship God properly. And what happened? We know the story. Eve walked with her husband no more, was enticed by the serpent. She entreated what he had to say, took the forbidden fruit, had a little lunch. Hey, I think my husband might be a little hungry, so she went over there and, hey, here's some food. Eat up. As a good wife trying to provide for a husband, you know, that's nothing bad with that, except there's a commandment being broken right now. You know the rest of the story. Their eyes were open. They knew the difference between good and evil. Uh, they got fig leaves out, and they covered up their nakedness. And God says, who, who told you you were naked? And they said they blamed the serpent, and on it goes. So right there, just as man's failure to worship God led to his downfall, so now true, true worship is the first expressions of man's renewal. How is man renewed? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how the renewal happens. Can you imagine? We had a death and a burial, but no resurrection. What would that be? Empty. We'd have a body in a grave. I just saw uh, that they've, they, they did some work at the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, and they actually had to slide the cover off the top of the shrine where the where Christ was laid, the actual this is this is what goes on in Jerusalem. There's the uh, in the Holy Sepulchre, the the place where Jesus was laid when he died, became a very holy site, and it's so holy that the Holy Spirit comes every Pascha and lights all the lights in that church without lighters or bicks or candles. The Holy Spirit. All you got to do is just go on the internet and check out. Holy fire in Jerusalem, and you'll get a good information and be educated on what the holy fire is. And it only happens with the Orthodox Church. No other church is acknowledged by heaven. But the Orthodox Church, because we're on the original calendar from the First Council on when to celebrate Pascha, Holy Pascha, the resurrection of Jesus. So true worship, remember I talked about it in Romans 12, 1. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's, your, that's what's required of you. So I'm going to go through the list here real quick on, on this uh, true worship. It's first physical we are called to present our bodies for worship, meaning both the physical aspect of our nature and the whole human nature in general. Then that's why in the Orthodox Church you see uh, we call them matanyas, uh, uh, prostrations. Uh, our whole body is involved w with, this, uh, with this true worship. We make the sign of the cross uh, throughout the liturgy, throughout all the services, that the sign of cross, which is the emblem of our victory, the cross you know, when Christ hung on the cross, that's the, that was the instrument of death. Then they buried him. Then on the third day, the glorious resurrection, which gives now power to everything, because if Christ is resurrected, we can be resurrected. Without Christ's resurrection, it's, all, it's, it's a dead faith. It's dead religion. And that's the only faith I know of on the face of this earth that had a resurrection. It's Christianity. It's physical. It's living. It's, if you go back to twelve Romans twelve one, it's living. A contrast to the old covenant, which under which sacrifices were put to death. Okay, in the Old Testament, a sacrifice was killed, had to die. What do you think the tabernacle of Moses is all about? You sinned. You had to bring an animal of a perfect animal, clean, acceptable. And then the priest and you, uh, would, he would, the priest would examine it, and then you guys would, uh, he would lay it up on the cradle there and then slay it 
and then uh, drain its blood, pour it around the altar. You, before that happened, we, the, you put your hands on that victim, and you confessed your sins, transferring them into the, the victim. What Does that not happen now? Wasn't Christ the carer, the bearer of all of our sins? And because of that, that we can be free of it? through the power of his resurrection. I, this, this, I hope you're with me on this, guys and girls. And so under the new covenant, to die sacrificially means also to be resurrected. And so when you, what did Mary do? She's a living sacrifice, right? Did, did God protect her through the whole event? All the way through her life. So she didn't have to fall under the stoning, breaking the law, becoming pregnant out of wedlock. So the new covenant to die sacrificially means also to be resurrected. The tr thus true worship is a living, dynamic expression of both the believer's faith and the community's faith. When I say community's faith, that means when we gather together as a church, as a community of believers, and, and celebrate the divine liturgy, it's all, you know, it's, it's that oneness, it's that many logs on the fire burn brightly than just one log at a time. You ever been to a bonfire? We have a bonfire, we're going to throw one log on, that's enough, right? No, we put a bunch of wood on there, create a huge fire. And that's what happens at the church. When a bunch of believers get together of the same one accord of their heart, that that, that fire, what I call the power of the Holy Spirit, would burn very brightly. And also holy. These are these key words now. True worship is set apart from the world, both in its form and its expression. Worship that is acceptable is a pattern after the kingdom of heaven and filled with the virtue that transcends earthly existence. As I said before, if you played a Madonna song, and then you played one of the hymns of the church, you'd say such a contrast. And I hope you would love the church hymn more than you would the Madonna song, if you get what I mean. Now, Isaiah chapter 6 gives us such a beautiful description of what it's like in heaven. Please uh, be attentive to this. <coughs> in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. The twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. That's to Isaiah. And what happened right there is what we use as a, contra as a similarity in the Holy Liturgy. Because when you come forward for Holy Communion, the priest administers the body and blood of Christ to you through a holy spoon. And that is a symbol of the tongs that the coal was brought to Isaiah's lips. And when you receive of the holy mysteries in the church, it's like that we recount that, that, that verse in Isaiah chapter 6, as, as those tongs came and, and cleansed Isaiah, these also the holy body and blood of Christ cleanses you. It's a beautiful parallel there. Talked about smoke. We, we use a lot of smoke in the Orthodox Church. There's a lot of incense and it goes on. Now, remember I talked about in previous shows about a liturgical worship? Hebrews 8.5. It says, 
who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he's about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. That's where he got the Ten Commandments, plus the directions to how to make the tabernacle. Make it exactly the way I tell you, because that is a picture of what is in heaven. So just as I said, just as I said, it's a liturgical worship all the way through, Old, Old New Testament and heaven. Now, the last word is reasonable, which is a Greek word, 3050, which is loikos, and they get the word logical out of that, loikos. The term means more than logical, as Jesus Christ is the logos of God, the word of God, true worship must be logos-like, which means it must be in Christ and according to Christ. True worship is filled with the wisdom and truth of the Son of God, the Word made flesh. To worship reasonably means to worship and live according to Christ. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, I hope all this made sense today that you've got a contrast of Madonna and the Madonna and how I moved it into a living sacrifice and detailed what it means to be a living sacrifice. So my prayer is that this, this message would be acceptable to you. Read Romans 12.1 and be that living sacrifice and be acceptable to the Lord. And, and don't kick against the pricks as Paul did in the beginning. But let your heart be softened by the love of God and let him come in and dwell with you and make his abode with you as he did with Mary. For I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. We hope this program has encouraged you to fight the good fight of faith and walk in the accordance with the commandments of our Lord. May God bless you on your journey to salvation. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.